happy new year if you're listening to this on the day it's released. If you don't know me, my name is Christina and I'm your host. I'm a holistic health coach. I'm the creator of the blog addictedtolovely.com and I'm the host of another podcast called Straight Up Paleo. I cannot believe that it is 2018 or 2018. I don't know which you prefer. I'm a 2018 kind of person. It's insane to me that another year has passed and I can't believe it's so close to 2020 because I literally thought I would be driving a flying car by now and it hasn't happened yet. So we'll see. I hope you guys have had a great holiday season. It's always really weird because I feel like there's just all of this buildup and then New Year's happens, New Year's Eve happens. I'm not really a New Year's Eve kind of person because we all know I'm a total grandma and I had way too many years of really weird New Year's Eve situations and I'm too tired for that nowadays. But my point is I always feel like New Year's Day comes and then everybody's just kind of looking around at each other like, all right, that happened. Now what? And you have to get back to real life. So hopefully you can still kind of enjoy today. And I hope that the holiday season was fabulous and worth it. And you had a great time. And if not, then maybe this whole year will just be better for you. I think that 2018 is going to be an amazing year. I have a lot of exciting, fun things planned for this podcast, for my life. I want to switch things up more. I want to hear more from you guys. If you are not already in the Facebook group, it's called Actually Adultish Podcast Nation, and I would love it if you joined. You can meet some friends. You can give me direct feedback in there, communicate with me and other listeners. It's just a great place to just kind of discuss more about what comes up on the pod. And I really want to know what you guys want to hear more of this year. So I want to know if there's specific guests you want me to try and get on the show. I am going to be doing more Q&As this year. I'm going to do some more solo podcasts too. So if you want to send in a question or a topic, it can be about literally anything, anything you want. It can be about you if you want advice it can be about me if you want to know any random thing about me in my life it can be about neither of us can be about just something you've noticed that you want me to talk about it can be a health question it can be a life question it can be anything so I would love to hear from you if you want to send something in please send it in to actuallyadultish at gmail.com or send it into the website. You can go to actuallyadultish.com and there's a contact form. You can submit something anonymously that way. If you are worried about your identity being revealed, you can do it anonymously through that. But please send it in through there and not to my blog email because I try and keep everything separate. So I know who's submitting a question to the podcast versus submitting a question to me as a health coach to inquire about utilizing my services. So that's how I keep things separate. But I would love to hear from you, do some more 
Q&A things. I think it'll be fun. And yeah, and you can also just submit if you want to submit through there about a guest that maybe you want to see on. I would love to hear what you want more of. I want to make the people happy. And I love you guys. And I really appreciate all the support and love that you guys have shown me this past year every day. This podcast is so rewarding for me on so many different levels. And it wouldn't be possible without you, you fabulous listener. I really appreciate it. And nothing makes me more excited than when a listener comes up to me or messages me and says, you know, they feel like we're best friends because they're so used to listening to me every week. And I'm like, we are best friends. That That's me. You know me. So it's so fun. It's really cool. It's kind of weird, but you really can get to know somebody through the internet, through podcasting. And I I love podcasting so much. So thank you for allowing me to do this. So today's a longer episode and it is probably one of, if not my favorite episodes I've ever recorded. We talk about a lot of different issues that I'm very passionate about. And today I have one of my best friends on the show, Liz Anthony. And if you're not familiar with Liz, she is that paleo girl on Instagram. She has a blog, that paleo girl, but she has a really incredible health story, health journey. And we found each other through Instagram. I found her on Instagram and loved her Instagram. Oh my God, story of my life. I just meet everybody on Instagram. It's fine, but whatever. I won't complain, but she has since become one of my closest friends and I admire her and respect her so much. And her story is just so inspirational and so incredible. And I want more people to learn about it. And her story is very similar to my own, which is why we connected, I think so much, but hers is just so much more intense like she had a lot more going on than me and that's why I just admire her so much because I know how difficult it was for me in my health journey and I can't even imagine doing everything she did just listen and you'll understand how she's so incredible and just the fact that you know she goes through life just being the most positive the happiest human and if you know her you, I mean, there's no way you could talk to Liz and not have a huge smile on your face. Like she is the best human, the best friend, the, I just, I have no words and I feel really lucky and grateful to have her in my life. And I think that after this episode, you guys will really just want to be her best friend too. So we do some major real talk in this episode and I'm sure a lot of you will relate to different aspects of this on some level. We talk about like body image, body image shaming. And we talk a lot about what it's like when the Western medical system is just kind of disregarding you. We talk a lot about gut and health issues. We talk about invisible illness and the stigmas around that and how it can be so hard to cope with. And just so much more. So I really am appreciative that Liz was so open and honest and real on here. And that's what this podcast is about. So she was the perfect guest and I was dying to have her on. I want to have her on again. And 
it's just, she's truly so inspirational. So I think you guys are going to love this. I can't wait for you to hear it. So let's just go ahead and hop right in. Hello, Liz. Hi, Christina. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm, I'm okay. You know, it's a little smoky out here in LA with the fires, but hanging in there. I and, can't believe you guys have that going on. I'm feel awful. Yeah, I know it's really sad um, how many people are having to evacuate, but hopefully they can get that cleared up. But tell everybody where you are right now. Um, I am in my bed in South Bend, Indiana. <laughs> in South Bend, Indiana. And you have not been in your bed for how long? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so long. So I, okay, well, I was in my bed last night, but I will say tonight was the first time I've cooked dinner in my house mm-hmm. in probably three weeks. That's crazy. So it's been a long, it's been a long ride. So why don't you tell people like, who are you? What do you do? Oh man. Um, so I'm Liz. Um, (laughs) I, most people know me as, um, I work, I do work with Catholic schools. So I, um, I have a day job that I absolutely love and it has absolutely nothing to do with my kind of side hustle slash love of paleo food. Um, so if you know me through the paleo food world, um, I, was diagnosed with lupus at 18. Um, and I eventually found this kind of like real food lifestyle to help myself heal. And in the midst of that, I kind of became plugged into this amazing Instagram and blogging community. Um, so that's been a ton of fun. And so now I kind of feel like I have two alter egos. I'm like the Catholic schools technology girl. And I'm also the, uh, like paleo foodie. <laughs> Okay, and I don't. Okay, I don't really exactly understand why the the Catholic school technology girl is a world traveler. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So I, I, it's not like a glamorous job, and I also don't really travel to glamorous places very often. But I travel to Catholic schools and help them implement technology uh, successfully, using it to personalize learning. Um, so I take a lot of trips to like. Indianapolis and like Cincinnati um, and super exciting places like that. And sometimes I get to go to more fun places like visit LA or some places in Florida here in the winter. That's always fun. Um, but yeah, just, just a lot of travel sort of, it's almost like consulting a little bit for Catholic schools. Okay. How, how often do you think like how many weeks out of the year do you think you're gone? Yeah. I was thinking about this recently. I would say, it's been three weeks of three weeks out of every month for sure recently, if oh not more than God. that. That's like a um, whole month. Yeah, so it's been really insane, and it's funny. Like, you, I at least always thought traveling for work would be so fun. I was like, this is the best. Like, yeah. who wants to sit around in South Bend, Indiana? It's tiring. Uh, but then I realized that it's exhausting. Yeah, and like when you travel for work, you're doing exactly what you would be doing anywhere else, but from a hotel room. And, like, from other schools. So I don't get to, like, enjoy these places that I travel to that often, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah. But I love my job, so it's okay. (laughs) It makes so much more sense because for so long I was just, like, seeing you Instagram story and I'd be like, 
why is she with a priest? Or like, why is she with a deacon? <laughs> like, like, what, what is going on? And it took me forever to figure I it out. I had someone pretty recently DM me and was just like, wait, your boss is a priest? He's a homie. <laughs> yes. I was like, he is both of those things. He's a priest and a homie. <laughs> I freaking love that. Okay, wait, so how did you get that job? Um, I, when I was in school, so I went to the University of Notre Dame, um, undergrad, and I'm, I'm only 23, so I've been out of school for like a year and a half. Um, and while I was in school, I kind of started interning with this organization that I work for that's based at Notre Dame. So our organization's called the Alliance for Catholic Education. I was interning for them when I was a student. And then when it came time to graduate, it kind of just like all the stars aligned for me to get the job that I have now. Mm-hmm. Wait, did you go to Catholic elementary school? I did. And high school. How did I, how did this never come up before? Wait, we might have to do a whole other podcast about this. About Catholic elementary yeah. school and the scars that it can leave on yeah. you? Yeah. We probably should. I think we should. Okay. We're going to have to come back to that. Wow. My brain is, I wish I, wow. Okay. Okay. Wait, did you go to Catholic school? Yeah. Did it leave you emotionally scarred? Absolutely. I think it shaped yeah. me and so many people in so many ways. And what was that series on Netflix with the Catholic school people? Um, all about how the priests were like raping the girls. Oh, no, I have not seen this. Okay, yeah, it was a series, but that series, like, brought up all this talk about Catholic school, right? And so I tried to get my mom and my sister to come. I was like, can we do a podcast and we all talk about our different experiences in Catholic school? Because we are all different generations, and I just thought it would be so interesting. (laughs) Because, like, my mom was in that time period. Like the nuns generation. Yeah. yeah. And like, yeah. I mean, we were, my sister was sort of in between and I didn't have nuns. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. It's yeah. We should talk about that later. We'll see how, if we have time at the well, end. <laughs> I, I heart Catholic schools, but I would love to do another podcast about them. <laughs> yeah. It's so interesting, but okay, cool. So, well, let's dive into like everything. Let's I talk about that people might actually be interested in. Yeah. Besides. Well, I think people will be interested in that, but let's talk about what I would plan on talking about. So I want okay. to share just more of your story. And I mean, if anybody's read my blog, they, they might have read the interview we had on there, but your story is so powerful. And I kind of just like want to talk more about what you went through. Cause I think a lot of people can relate, um, and fi- find it interesting. Um, so I want to get into, let's talk first, you growing up. So growing up, what was your health like? Um, I was, you know, I thought of myself as very healthy growing up. Um, but in hindsight, like hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Yeah. Um, so I had a lot of um, strep throat and tonsillitis infections. Um, so I had to get my tonsils out. And but other than that, I was super healthy and like I always got made fun of for pretending that I was sick <laughs> or not pretending, but like thinking I was sick. Like mm-hmm. I thought I had back cancer once and it turned out it was just like a bad back pain. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I would always be the one who was like, mom, I'm sick. <laughs> and like, you know, like mean girls, like boo, yeah. you whore. Yeah. Like, my would pull that on me all the time because they'd come home at 3 p.m. and I'd be like, dancing to Britney Spears, I'd be like, I feel better. Oh my so, God. <laughs> um, so then it was actually really funny that when I finally did get sick, 
like no one thought I was sick, including myself. Cause it was just like, Oh yeah. Classic Liz. Like I'm sure you have something wrong with you. And then like there actually was <laughs> the boy who cried wolf Liz who yes, cried, that was who cried sick. So, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Let's talk about that. When did you realize that you're actually sick? You know, kind of, that's a really interesting question because I would think my diagnosis actually came before I realized I was actually sick, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So my, throughout all of high school, I was like a cross country runner and I, and I played lacrosse and I was like an all-star student. I did everything. I was just like, I felt like I was like superwoman. And at the end of my senior year, I got this really bad rash on my cheeks um, and I was convinced that it was just sun poisoning. And so I kept like just getting all these like topical creams and putting them on. It wasn't going away. So I went to a doctor who gave me a steroid and that made it go away. And I was like, oh, okay. But I didn't know what that was or what that meant. Uh, but then as soon as I finished the steroid, it came back. And so I finally went to a different doctor, a rheumatologist, uh, because that was who my primary care doctor referred me to. And as soon as she saw me, she was like, oh, you have lupus. And I was like, what? Whoa, that escalated <laughs> yeah, quickly. Like, yeah, it escalated so quickly. She was like, I mean, I'll run some tests, but like, I, I, like just by looking at your rash, I'm, I'm 99% sure that you have lupus. Like that's the most typical lupus rash I've ever seen. So if you Google like lupus rash, you'll see it. Um, and it's funny looking back at pictures, it's like so clear, but I just like didn't know what it was, you know? How old um, were you? So they, I was... Um, 18. Okay. And this was two weeks into my freshman year of college. Wow. So I, I saw this doctor and then she sent me to get blood work. She wanted me to get it done the next day. So I saw her on a Friday and I went out that Friday night and I was like a typical freshman in college. I got drunk and I'm like telling everyone like, guys, I need to stop drinking because I'm getting blood tests in the morning. And like, my, <laughs> like, I gotta be sober for these blood tests. Like it was so stupid. And then I went the next morning, got these blood tests, and they found out I had lupus. And my freshman year, it was a very short-lived three-week period of having, like, a normal freshman year. Um, wow. And then it all changed very quickly. Um, so, but, but the thing was, when they diagnosed me, I didn't feel sick. Like, I just had this rash. Mm -hmm. And they were like, are you exhausted all the time? Like, are you – do you have joint pain, all this stuff? And I was like, not really. But – I like, I was like, I think I feel pretty okay, but they started me on these pretty aggressive medications to get rid of my rash. And because my numbers were pretty high for lupus, um, I just wasn't experiencing a lot of symptoms. And it was actually when I started the medicines that I got way more sick. Like that was when it all went downhill. Um, so that's really interesting in hindsight. Very interesting. So for people who don't know what lupus is, can you just explain what it is? Sure. So lupus is an autoimmune disease, um, and it's pretty nondescript, um, so it can apply to a lot of things, but basically what it means is that um, with any autoimmune disease, your body attacks itself. So um, you're, these kind of, um, basically like your white blood cells, or um, those are the ones that attack the invaders, right? Yeah. Your white blood, yeah, your white blood cells confuse like healthy cells for foreign invaders, and they attack them. Um, and so with lupus, that can be on any organ in your body. So for me, it started in my skin, um, but it can also lead, it can also be in like really bad, like Selena Gomez had to have a kidney transplant. She has lupus. Um, so it can affect like almost any or organ in your body. 
And what are, I know you didn't really have any, but what are symptoms? Yeah, so I didn't at first, but I definitely do now. Um, and the most common ones that you hear are fatigue and joint pain. Um, and I think that those are pretty common in a lot of autoimmune diseases, yeah. um, mostly just because like your body gets so worn out. Um, so fatigue and joint pain, hair loss is a big one. Um, mouth sores. Um, those are kind of the main ones that came up for me. Okay. And the rash. And the rash. Yeah. 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 And how do people get lupus? Um, so any autoimmune disease, they, they're not totally sure, but they think you have to have some combination of a genetic predisposition and some sort of trigger. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, definitely have autoimmune disease in my family. My grandma has celiac and um, Hashimoto's. My uncle has type one diabetes. Um, and so I definitely have those genes. And then I assume that this is so stupid, like, but I was so stressed out my senior year of high school that I think that that's what triggered it. Um, because I was trying to do everything and I was stressed out about college applications and wasn't really like taking care of myself. I wasn't eating well. I kind of was that girl who ate like whatever I wanted and thought it was so cool. Um, Let, and so wait, let's I talk think more about that, like how you ate. Okay. Up. Um, so growing up, I did not <laughs> eat, um, uh, my typical, a very typical day for me would be cereal for breakfast. Um, and then I was a runner, so I was hungry like all the time. And so then I'd probably eat like peanut butter crackers for a snack. Um, and then at lunch, lunch was usually like my best meal. I would often have salads for lunch. My mom packed my lunch until I was a senior in high school. I was so lucky. Um, so she, Same. a lot of times have me salads or like soups, but a lot of times it was like soup and a sandwich, stuff like that. Um, and then I'd probably have like goldfish for a snack after school. Um, and then at night I would have like Chipotle for dinner, but not like the healthy version of Chipotle. Like I'd be getting like the tortilla and like yeah. the nastiness. Um, or like pasta. I ate a lot of pasta. Um, and like sometimes I, I think I, in hindsight, I probably make it sound worse than it was. Like I do think I ate fruit and vegetables like pretty regularly, but I just ate so much processed food and a lot of carbs and stuff like that. Yeah. So, okay. So you get to college and you're Mm -hmm. diagnosed with lupus and then, and then what happens? You go on medication yeah, so they put me on um, a pretty aggressive steroid regimen as well as this um, immunosuppressant. That So basically it was a pill that I was supposed to take three times a day, every day, for in theory the rest of my life. And it was supposed to down-regulate your immune system. because So there's no medication that can cure autoimmune disease. So the medications that they give you are supposed to make your immune system less active so that it doesn't like attack your healthy body. But for me, that was just a recipe for disaster because it meant that I started getting like colds and like viruses and infections all the time. So I, I, anyway, I was on these steroids, I was on this medicine and I tried to pretend that like nothing was going to change. And I very quickly realized that was not the case. Like I had to stop drinking alcohol altogether because I would get so sick. I tried it like twice and it was awful. Um, And I started having to sleep a lot more. I would get these random periods where like I would just come home and pass out. Like I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. I would just come home and pass out for like the rest of the day. Um, And I started having stomach pain and just like kind of weird things. Um, 
And then, but life continued like mostly as normal. Um, I was still running a lot and still doing like all my activities. And then it wasn't until like close to a year after I got diagnosed that I started getting very, I, I got started getting very nervous about it. Like when I would have symptoms like flare up. So I'd get like bad mouth sores or something. I'd kind of freak out. And I was like, what's going on? Like I should, I need to figure out how to control this. Um, and so I tried going gluten-free and dairy-free for like a short period, but I didn't do it under anyone's direction. And it pretty much just led to me like very, very terribly under eating. What because gave I, you that like, idea? Yeah. So it was kind it was kind of inspired by the autoimmune protocol actually, but in a very like I did not do enough research way. I kind okay. of was like looking around on this blogs and I heard some people talk about going gluten-free and dairy-free. And I thought that all this stuff with like the AIP uh, autoimmune protocol just sounded way too hard. So I was like, okay, I'll just try gluten-free and dairy-free. Mm-hmm. But of course I did that. And then I just ended up like under eating and increasing my medications because my symptoms were getting worse. So as I was like continuing to increase my medications, I was like cutting out these foods and didn't really know how to do it responsibly or like what I should be eating instead. So I'd replace bread with like gluten-free bread, um, or like nothing. Uh, so I was just eating less and eating and taking more medicines. Um, and that led to just a terrible period of like nausea and stomach pain. Like I have never before in my life experienced. Um, and so with that going on, I just, I like didn't want to eat at all. And it was like physically like sickening for me to even like think about food. And I think that that was a side effect of the medication, but no doctor would acknowledge that. Like I was trying to be like, I feel so sick. I think that my medicine is contributing. And they were like, no, I don't think so. Like it's unrelated. Take these nausea pills. Mm -hmm. So I was on like cancer strength, chemotherapy strength, nausea pills for when really I think that like my medicines were making it so bad. Mm -hmm. Um, but also in hindsight, like I think that I get nauseous when I get stressed. So I think it was all just like rolled together, but everyone kept telling me it was in my head and that nothing was wrong with me, which made me even more stressed. Um, So it was, yeah, it was awful. Why do you think the doctors had that reaction? Oh, that is a really good question. Um, I think it's because they don't know the answer. Yeah. Honestly, um, I think it's because it's not what they're taught. It's like, so the way our medical system works is everything is so siloed. So like my lupus doctor is a rheumatologist, which is someone who's supposed to be dealing with like joints Mm -hmm. um, and more like rheumatoid arthritis and things like that. And so she, she is used to like traditional lupus symptoms. So if I say I'm feeling nauseous, she's like, no, that's not a traditional lupus symptom because that's what she's taught in medical school. But no one understands how all these symptoms work together. All the systems work together. Mm -hmm. And also like no one told me until I started doing my own research that all autoimmune diseases are so related. So like I, I'm probably getting ahead of myself, but I was eventually diagnosed with celiac as well. And I was just like, and, but of course my rheumatologist, like she can't touch celiac. Yeah. It's like, oh, you have to go see a gastroenterologist for that. And I'm like, these are not unrelated. Like they are mm-hmm. very, very, very much intertwined. And our medical system is just not set up to deal with that. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And that was so much of my experience too. When I was seeing all these doctors, like I was seeing, um, and 
endocrinologist, uh, a yep. gastroenterologist, a rheumatologist, um, some other ologist. I was seeing like five different people and they yeah. were all just like, will only focus on this one thing. And I remember feeling crazy. I was like, I need somebody who's going to look at me as a whole person, not just these yes. parts because they all go yes. together. And it's yes. like you said, it's like, because they're thinking in this mindset of like, okay, what can I check off that I learned in my textbook? Like it's all yeah. out of a box. It's not like yeah. this, it requires creative thinking to figure this out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I wish that someone, and I think like, so I think there are a lot of doctors that are starting, not a lot. I think there is a small sub subset of doctors that are starting to move in the direction of like, we see how autoimmune diseases are all related, mm-hmm. but I think there's an even smaller, smaller minuscule subset that's starting to realize how like your mental state affects it too. Yeah. And I wish that someone had told me like, you are so stressed about trying to be perfect that that's making you sick. Mm -hmm. And you're so stressed about trying to figure out what's making you sick that that is also making, you know what I mean? That's, that was also making me sick. And I had to figure that out for myself, which is not really an easy thing to do. Um, but I wish someone had just like had this much more holistic view. Yeah. Well, no. And I mean, that's why it's like at the end of the day with my experience, I felt like it was my my nutritionist who like (laughs) healed me because she was looking at me as a whole person and addressing this. I mean, part of being a nutritionist, you know, is kind of being a therapist. Like, so addressing the stress, addressing the exercise, addressing the hormones, addressing the food, addressing like she was the only person who was really seeing me as a whole human being, you know? And that's why she, at the end of the day, I was like, you are my person. Like I will get, and that's what I did. I got rid of everybody else because she's the one who saved me. Um, so like way down the line in my health journey. So like, we'll probably have to back up to to say how I got here, but I started working with the nutritionist and I remember going to her and like, I was okay. I just want a meal plan. That's going to like help me gain weight. was like what I said. And she was like, no. I don't think that's what you need. Yeah. Um, and she eventually totally changed my life. Like if you follow me at all, you know that Meg Dahl changed my life. Um, and she, she honestly was like more of a therapist and like has eventually become like one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but she just like saw me as a whole person and no one else had done that before. Not no one, but no other health practitioner. Yeah. I want to get into that for sure. And I want to talk more about Meg because... I love Meg to death. Um, we love Meg. Yeah, we just love Meg. Um, but let's back up and talk about when you got diagnosed with celiac. How did you find that out? What was that whole situation? Yeah. So in the period that I talked about where I was getting so sick, I wasn't eating, and um, obviously I lost a ton of weight. Mm-hmm. So that was a period of about four months. I lost um, almost 40 pounds, mm-hmm. um, and I was just like, I was like nothing. I had no energy. I was so sick. And they did a biopsy to test test me for celiac. So that's when they like go down and take a little bit out of your stomach. Um, And that didn't show that I had celiac. So the doctor told me and my mom that I was just anorexic and I needed to eat. Mm -hmm. And I was devastated because my mom was pretty much like one of the only few people who actually believed that I was was sick and that I wasn't just making this up and it wasn't in my head. And so for him to say that was just like such a blow. So I went off all my medicines and I tried just like eating whatever I wanted and like being a normal person again. And it got a little bit better, just like a little bit. Um, but my lupus symptoms were still so bad. And my, 
I was just so unhealthy. Like my white blood cell count was like nothing. And what made you decide to go off your medicine? Because I was just so, I was convinced that my medicine was making me sick. And did your parents support that? That you go off? Yeah. Okay. They did because they had seen the change that had happened over the last like year and the only like missing link, the, like the only variable that was consistent through all that was the medicines. So yeah. they just like wanted their their daughter back, and so they were like, "Try it, you know, you can try anything." I just um, like I know that that's such a big thing I see with people is that I'll see them, and in my head I'm like, "Your medicine is what is holding you back right now," but like I can't go off my medicine. It's the only thing that's keeping me alive. You know, it's the only thing that's, and I'm like. No, yeah. it's and in my head. I'm like, it's making you sick. Or I, I had a friend who, um, had colitis and it was clear that her medicine was just making her sick. And like her parents, like you can't go off it cause you'll, you'll die. And she believed in like a holistic approach and wanted to go off of it. But her parents said no. So she was like, well, I can't if they don't, you know, um, yeah, it's tough. It's really tough. And I think that, um, I've been so lucky because my parents, Number one, totally like trust me and respect me as like an adult, even though even before I probably deserved that. Um, and so they've just been like, we trust you and like your what you want to do with your life, and like we'll support you. Mm-hmm. Um, even to the extent of letting me go to Ghana for a summer when I was terribly ill. Yeah, that's I have crazy. no idea why they let me do that. Um, but. They also, like like I said, I was so much healthier before I started my medicines that I think they saw the connection as clearly as I did that, like, this shouldn't happen. But anyway, I was only off of them and eating, like, whatever I wanted for, like, probably two months. And then my doctor convinced me to try a different medicine. And that one didn't make me sick. Like, I didn't have any of the side effects, but I was not getting better at all. So I weighed, like, 100 pounds. I'm almost 5'8". I weighed 100 pounds. I was, like... I was in terrible stomach pain all the time. I had three UTIs that escalated to kidney infections within like two hours. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't catch them before they became kidney infections. And I was just like miserable. It was, I honestly look back on it and I was just like, I cannot imagine the level of like pain and discomfort that I was in all the time, like mentally, physically. Um, It was awful. And then, but I... I somehow decided it was a good idea for me to do this internship in Ghana um, over the summer between my sophomore and junior year. Um, And so I went there and I was eating white bread at like every meal because everything, like all the fresh fruits, foods, I was afraid would get me sick. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just, I've never felt worse um, in my whole life. And I, I got some sort of stomach infection like 48 hours before I was supposed to come home. And I laid in my bed for the last 48 hours and just cried and like prayed that I would make it home. Like that was, I was just so done. Um, So I immediately got home, found out I had another kidney infection on top of this stomach infection. And it was just clear, like I was a mess. I was breaking down. I like couldn't keep doing this. Um, And so my doctor ran all these blood tests. And of course, immediately after running them was like, oh, well, you have absolutely no nutrients in your blood and your celiac markers are through the roof. And I was like, wait, what? Like, there's a blood test for celiac? Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah, didn't they run it last year when they did the biopsy? And I was like, no, no one ever told me about a blood test. So it was, like, completely irresponsible of that doctor who told me I was anorexic 
he never ran the blood test, which is just like beyond me. Yeah. I have no idea how that happened. But when they finally ran the blood test, it was just like so clear that I had raging celiac. Um, and that, that was like a huge turning point in my life and health journey. Wow. I can't even. Sorry. That was a lot. <laughs> no, I just, it's such an incredible, crazy story. And it's like, I get angry thinking about these doctors and like, cause you know, I had this, uh, like not to this extent, but the, the, the same experience in terms of like, I would think how the hell did that doctor not know that? Why didn't yeah. anyone tell me that? Like, yeah. Cause they're supposed to be, you know, we turn to them as the experts and yeah. at the end of the day, it's like, well, damn, I'll do a better job myself. Like, give me, give me the books, you know? Yeah. I just think, oh my God. So, well, and I mean, the other thing is like, I mean, talking about testing really quickly, it's like, there are people who test negative on the blood test and they test negative the biopsy and they still have it. I know. I know. It's really hard to diagnose. And I think people need to be empowered to look at how foods are affecting them and make that decision for themselves. Um, because I know now if I had eliminated gluten for 30 days and tried to reintroduce it, I, it would have been awful. And yeah. like, I would have known how bad it was. Um, but I also think celiac is one of those tricky things where it doesn't always affect people the same way. Um, and so when I, when mine was like raging out of control, I had terrible insomnia. Like I would lay in my bed in Ghana awake for like probably six hours a night um, and just couldn't sleep. And then like I I messed with my mind a lot then also because I like wasn't eating and wasn't sleeping. And I was just like a crazy person um, and so sad, so sad, so depressed. Um, and I think there were a lot of factors contributing to that, like probably that I felt so sick and that I felt so alone that no one believed me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think also the foods I was eating were contributing to that as well. Okay. So I want to talk about, so nobody believed you in the sense of like that you were actually sick or that you weren't anorexic. No one believed me that I was not anorexic. So, and I shouldn't say no one. There are a few people who did believe me. And like, I honestly, those people, I have thanked them over and over again. Like it was my siblings and my parents and like a couple of my friends, like my cousin Kristen and my best friend, a couple of my best friends who believed me. And like, I still get like a little bit emotional thinking about how much that meant to me because Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many other people just like whether they said they believed me or not, it was so clear that they didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just got like so many like dirty looks is the wrong word, but just kind of like, Oh, like, sure. You're not anorexic, sweetie. Like, okay. And I'm not saying that anorexia is a, is anything to be ashamed of. I think it's a mental illness and I have a lot of, friends and family members with anorexia. And I think there needs to be a lot more, um, understanding of the mental illness component of it. Mm -hmm. But when you aren't anorexic and you're sitting there and you're saying like, I feel awful. I feel like I'm going to throw up when I eat food. I am curled up in the fetal position every day with stomach pain. I haven't pooped in three weeks, Mm -hmm. like all these things and no one believes you. Like, it's just so disheartening. Um, and it was, it was so isolating was the biggest thing, especially being in college um, and like trying to go out and seeing the way people would look at me. Cause I, I looked like a stick. Like I looked like skin and bones. 
Um, it wasn't cute, and I didn't feel cute. I didn't think it was cute, uh, so it was awful. I'm like trying not to like you like took the words straight out of my mouth. I mean, you know, that's like literally exactly how I felt, um, and that's the issue is like like the misdiagnosis issue is like that was preventing you from getting help sooner because people are just shoving the symptoms aside as oh she's anorexic and lying instead of like wait something's wrong let's dig deep and find out that she has another autoimmune disease you know like which is so sad like how did you how did you deal with that whole time period when people would say things like that to you Um, honestly, it was a, it was a very dark period of my life. Um, I, I look back on college now and I'm just like, wow, I just had such a different experience, um, than most people. And I am lucky that I had some, uh, like a few really good friends who would like stay in and watch movies with me and like always believed me and kind of tried to make me feel like myself even when I didn't, Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of it also was that I've always been someone who's who's really passionate about like the work that I do and my schoolwork and being successful. And so I was doing um, like basically the work I'm doing now, but on a smaller scale as an internship um, throughout all of my college years. And I just loved that. So I would throw myself into that work. I throw myself into my schoolwork. Um, and I was really lucky that I went to college in my hometown. So I didn't live at home. I lived in the dorms. Um, but my family's from the same city where Notre Dame is is in. Um, and so I would go home a lot. Like my mom picked me up and drove me to doctor's appointments and would take me home and I would just sleep at home because I was just so tired and it just felt nice to like be around people who weren't going to look at me like I was crazy and anorexic. (laughs) Yeah. Did that affect you at work? I know like for me, I felt like it affected me a lot at work. I was like, I mean, in general, I felt embarrassed to go out. And I felt mad that I felt embarrassed when I wasn't doing anything wrong. But other people were making me feel like I was doing something wrong. I felt like I was trying to be professional at work. And, like, they were just looking at me like, oh, my God, this poor sick girl. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was really, really – it was, like, nerve-wracking to show up for my first day at different internships and just be so skinny. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you knew people were thinking about it, but they didn't want to say anything because they were trying to be nice. Um, and the, the, I mean, this isn't like a nice thing, but at least for me, I could always at least tell people that I had lupus. Mm-hmm. And so in a professional setting, that was a little bit, I would, I would say kind of like I have lupus, it's an autoimmune disease. Um, and so I have kind of like unpredictable symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that would help a little bit so that on the days when I was sick, um, it was more understandable, but it's, it was humiliating to be that thin and to like, and to know, to know that other people thought I was anorexic and to know that I looked terrible and, like, I couldn't say that to them. Like, I couldn't just go up and introduce myself and be like, hi, I'm Liz. I know I'm too skinny. I'm working on it. Exactly. You know? Like, yeah. <laughs> that's, not, that's not a thing. What did you, like, what did you want people, how did you want people to react? Like, what did you wish that they would, would say to you? Because it is this awkward thing. Like, yeah. I remember every single person I talked to, every per- every single person I saw, like, I felt it. It's this elephant in the room, and in my head, I was just like, just fucking say something. Just ask me why I'm skinny, and I'll tell you. Like, yeah, you know, like, ask me if I have an eating disorder, and I'll tell you. Like, I'll tell you that I'm screaming in my head constantly because I'm sick of everybody thinking I'm anorexic when I'm not. Like, 
but I didn't, people don't know how to respond. You know, people don't know what they're supposed to say because part of me was like, part of me was angry at people for not wanting to bring it up. Like, because I'm like, what if I was anorexic and then you're not bringing it up? So no one's trying to get me to get help. But on the other side of it, it's like, on the other side of it, when you see somebody like that, it's rude to bring up the weight, you know? Yeah. I think what what that experience taught me is that you just you can't look at someone and know why they're skinny or why they're or why they're big or why they're anything, you know? And so now when I see girls that I think are like terribly skinny, I just always try to remind myself that like people judged me too and um there are so many reasons, like there are so many things that person could be dealing with, whether that is a mental illness like anorexia or whether it is something like what either of us experienced. Um, but as far as like what someone should say, there's nothing, there's no good way to approach that. You know, there's no, you can't go up to someone and be like, why are you so skinny? Um, like, would you rather I, somebody say something or just act like it's not happening? I would have rather had someone say something, but I, I don't know that everyone would have. Well, yeah, no, I always, I'm just wondering what you thought. Yeah, I would have, I always appreciated when people would just ask like, hey, are you okay? Yeah, same. And I'd be like, yeah, you know, like try to be like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. And they'd be like, no, 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 like, are you okay? Mm-hmm. Um, because it was much worse knowing that people noticed and that they weren't saying anything. Yeah, I agree. Did you have anybody tell you that you looked good? Yes. Can we I talk did. about that? Because I really like yeah. to talk about this because I think it's such an important thing. Um, yeah. Do you want to just speak more to that? Um, so I didn't have a ton of people, but I had some. And I had some people tell me that I should try to model. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was act- the one that really sticks with me actually was my grandma who um, – is just like I have two grandmas, one of whom is like has is always constantly trying to feed me and would always like just burst into tears every time she saw me and be like, you're so skinny. I don't know what to do. But then I had another one who was like very into fashion and she'd always be like, oh, Miss Slim. Uh. Um, and she didn't you know, it's just like it's like a different time. It was like a di- I don't know. I don't know. People have very weird um, things around body image and what they think is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just always kind of, when people would tell me that I looked good, I would just kind of like, I couldn't even really wrap my mind around it because I knew that I looked awful and it wasn't just because I was skinny, but like, like I looked like I was going through a trauma, Yeah, you know, I had like terrible, I was the losing my hair out of you. Yeah. I had the light. That's exactly it. I, I looked like a ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if anyone did say something like, Oh, you look good. I knew that it was just for my body. It wasn't for anything else. And I didn't like the way that my body looked. And I didn't, I mostly didn't like the way it felt like I was used to being a very strong, very capable person. And I was neither of those things at all. And so that was, that was the, the worst part about it for me. So I didn't even really care. Like if I was, but also like when you're a size quadruple zero no clothes fit you yeah like you don't look good yeah so I know I don't know no I just could not wrap my mind around it 
No, and I'm glad we're talking about this because I remember feeling that, like, for me, I loved wearing makeup and, like, I was into fashion then and it was, like, nothing fit me. All I could wear were just, like, baggy dresses and they looked bad on me because everything was so Mm -hmm. big. And my makeup Mm -hmm. every day looked horrible because I had wrinkles on my eyes. Like, I was, like, embarrassed to be seen. And... See, I took, like, the opposite approach, which was that I hate putting on, like, clothes and makeup. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, not into that. And so I just looked awful every day. Like, I just wore leggings and a sweatshirt and, like, put my hair in a ponytail to hide that I was losing it mm-hmm. and never wear makeup. And I just, like, totally gave up because I was just, like, I look awful anyway. Like, why try? It was so sad. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm curious. Like, that experience for me, like, that's why I'm so passionate about – all these girls who just like all they care about is being skinny. I just want to yes. scream like you stop like being skinny can suck. And like, like that should not be your goal. Yes. Like what would, what do you want to say to people who are like, Oh my gosh. Really so much of- to say. Yeah. So I wrote a, I wrote a blog post called so skinny it hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was inspired by, I actually had, so it was very recent, not very recently, but maybe like six months ago, I was dancing in my swimsuit by a pool, um, long story. And this girl that I didn't know came up to me and was like, oh my God, you're so skinny. It hurts. Like in a good way, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, so good. So, and I was like, I just had all these thoughts racing through my head, which like, number one, I'm, I'm not anymore. Like I feel very healthy now and I'm like, yeah. I feel proud of like the way the how far I've come, but also like I have I have been so skinny that it like actually physically hurts exactly and and that it was it was the worst time of my life it was the worst time of my life and like thin like beauty and confidence are not equated with a size whether that be skinnier or bigger. So I actually had the opposite experience of like when I was so skinny, I became convinced that like if I gained 20 pounds, I was going to be happy. And Mm -hmm. I was like, great, if I just gain these 20 pounds, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be confident. I'm going to feel beautiful, all these things. Well, guess what? I gained the 20 pounds and I still felt awful. Mm -hmm. And I still was like very insecure and uncomfortable. And I realized that like, getting to a certain size does not make you love yourself. That's just, that's not how it works. And it doesn't make you beautiful. Um, Confidence and strength and kindness and smiles make you beautiful. And those things don't come with a certain size. Yeah. And I had, like, my experience was, I mean, I started off not confident in myself at all. And then I lost all that weight. And at first, as I started dropping weight, I was like, oh, I think I look better. And then it quickly was like, wait, I feel horrible. I feel worse. It was way worse than anything before. And then to gain weight, I was scared to put on weight. Like I was definitely scared, but I had totally separated it. And I realized I was like, I'm, I'm very, I'm afraid to, but I have to do it because I'm literally going to die. And at this point, I don't give a shit what I look about, like what I look like, like I need to live. So I Mm -hmm. was gaining. So then I went on this journey to gain more weight and like, I had been afraid. And I, I remember saying this to my therapist. I said, I feel like with every pound of weight I gain, I gain a pound of freedom. Like I gain Mm -hmm. a pound of happiness. Like I'm like, I don't, 
care, you know, and it was like, then I did. And then I reached the weight that I started off with to begin with. And so I had kind of come this full circle where I was at this weight unhappy. And then I got back to the original weight that I was unhappy with to begin with. And now I feel better than I ever have, you know? Yeah. It's not the weight. Yeah. It's not the size. It's not the weight. It's not. And, and I think it has taken me so long to get to where I am today, where I am more confident, not, but not even in my, not only in my body, but just in myself. Like, I think Mm -hmm. that when I was so sick, I lost so much of my like radiance and my, like my best friend, I remember being like, you don't joke anymore. Like laugh, like have fun, stop like being so down all the time. And so it took me a really long time to get to a place where I felt like I restored my personality as well Mm -hmm. and like who I was. Um, And I think doing that was what really kind of also brought along my like body confidence because in like when I was a senior in high school, I was never insecure about my body. Mm -hmm. I was super confident and that was just part of who I was. So it took me a long time to kind of like come full circle. And now I'm very different than I was as a senior in high school both like in my body and in my personality, but I'm me and I love that. And so it's just been like a very weird long journey of getting there. Yeah. Wow. I mean, the other thing I want to talk to you about that I think we both experienced is like, once you're the girl who's too skinny, you're kind of always the girl who's too skinny. Can we talk about this? Yes. Cause you're like kind of the only person that I feel like gets it. I mean, I, I know a lot of other people do, but the only person I know personally who gets it. Can we talk about, I said this to you off the pod recently, yeah. uh, but how once you're like girl who's too skinny, it's like everyone has free reign to comment on your weight or how yeah. you look. And I'm just like, you would never, so people will come up to me and be like, oh my God, you look like you've gained weight. Like, yeah. <laughs> awesome. And I'm like, you know. I'm confident in in my body and like it's fine if I gain a little weight but like you would never walk up to any other 23-year-old girl and be like, "Oh my god, it looks like you've gained weight." Like that's so awesome. Like why do people feel like they have the right to do that? I think it's very odd. <laughs> yeah, because they feel like I feel like people th- feel like this sense of relief like before I couldn't say anything about it cuz she looked sick. But now I'm like, you know what I'm, and I'm just like, "No." Oh, but I also see it with like practitioners, so it's like when I'm continuing to have issues, right? It's like everything, the reason is always, it's because you're underweight still. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not underweight anymore. Like, and I I do have, um, another one of my really good friends struggles with this too. She's like, literally no one will take me seriously because they always see me as somebody who was too thin. And like, that was, and that, that does cause a ton of health issues, but like, yeah. What like what once you gain the weight back, like it's the solution isn't always just to keep gaining more and more and more like you yeah. know. Um Yeah. Or to keep eating more and more. Like yeah. I I think I was for a long time the girl who wasn't eating enough because when I transitioned to like a paleo esque diet, I think I was under eating for a long time because I just didn't know. Like mm-hmm. I was never someone who counted calories before or like looked at carb contents yeah. and all these things. Well, so I literally, just didn't know. I think everybody under eats when they first switch to paleo. Everybody. I, I think you're right. I mean, my dad, think, my dad switched to paleo and he's under eats so much. Cause he just has no concept of like, you need to eat way more food. 
the amount of food. Yeah. Because you're cutting out all these normal calorie sources and Mm -hmm. like people don't understand. I didn't understand. So anyway, for the longest time I was the girl who under ate. And so now, but I even find myself, I'm convinced that like any problem I experienced, I'm like, maybe I just didn't eat enough. Yeah. And then I'm like, hold up, Liz, like you, you have been eating constantly all day or like you just ate like 14 fat balls from the fridge. Like maybe, maybe that's not the problem. Yeah. No, I, you know, I have the same issue. It's like a doctor will be like, you just need to eat more food. I'm like, do you know how much food I just ate? And then it ends up like, and then it plays mind games with you too. You know, I'm like, okay, I just ate like freaking a whole fat bomb cake. And is that still not enough for you? Like, yeah, I just feel like there's this bias against, I mean, I'm just going to be straight up. Like, there are so many biases against so many different body types, but there is a bias against people who are thin too. Yeah. It's, it's different. And it's, <laughs> I could see a lot of people listening to this right now and be like, Oh, we feel so bad for you that you're too skinny. No, um, and I'm not, not trying to, I'm not trying to, saying, yeah. that's not what we're saying right now. But I do think that, um, practitioners and even just people will often just not take you as seriously when you have these issues, like have certain issues when you're thin. Yeah. Um, well, growing up, literally, I mean, growing up, I was always that girl with baggy spandex at volleyball, right? Like I was just <laughs> always that. And my mom, every single problem I had, my mom goes, well, you need to eat. I would like stub my toe and be like, oh my God, my foot hurts. And she'd be like, it's because you need to eat more food. And I'd be like, mom you know like every the answer to every single problem like i'd be like i have a headache like you need to eat more food i have a cold it's because you need to eat more food i'm just like (laughs) i don't know what to do um but yeah i mean going back to like my point with all this like in a more general sense is just like i think that so much of our society is chasing we have this ideal like we all think that we want to chase this ideal body type. And at the end of the day, no yes. matter no matter what size your body is, really skinny, really not skinny in the middle, I don't know, it doesn't matter. Like that is there's no such thing as something that's going to solve all your problems. You're still going to have the other problems. I completely agree. I com- I could not agree more. Yeah. Um it's just yeah, so I just I'm glad Preach. that we could Preach. we could talk about that a little bit um, and just like because I mean I see this a lot too so it does have like a special place in my heart. I work with a lot of clients who struggle with eating disorders and anorexia, um, and they get skinny shamed. They get skinny shamed. I got skinny shamed. You got skinny shamed. And yeah, I'm just like, totally. why people? I'm so glad that we have become as a society so much more vocal. Still, never on. Un- enough but about the fat shaming you know stop like trying to be vocal about ending that like thank god we're starting to pick that up um i think there's always more work to be done but like i don't think we should forget the skinny shaming either like why is it just like let's end all of the shaming i know and it was it was so you know it's so absurd to me to think that someone thinks that that helps yeah like that skinny shaming is gonna help like i think i had people who thought that i thought i looked good so if they, like, told me how bad I looked, that, like, that would get through to my head. And I'm just, like, I – you're making me feel worse than I already feel if if that was even possible. Yeah. Um, and, and I just think it's so yeah. important that people realize that we never know what someone is dealing with. Like, you just yeah. cannot know when you look at them. And, 
like living I have so I have three very active invisible illnesses and like people just don't know that when they look at me and I'm glad they don't I'm glad I don't look sick anymore but it also it's really hard like I still live with these diseases every single day and I just wish that people would understand that when they look at me they're not seeing the whole picture right like on so many levels um and that's true of everyone yeah no I I totally agree and I'm glad I mean, the invisible illness thing is such a big deal because I feel like people shrug off the illnesses when they can't see it. Yeah. And usually those are the ones that are, like, the hardest to deal with. Yeah. I told a friend once that I would rather lose a limb than have an autoimmune disease because at least, like, if I had a limb, like, people would know and it would be out there and, like, it would be obvious and – then no one would have to ask me about it. Or if they did, they would just be like, oh, what happened? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, but when it's invisible, it's – I just think it's – And, well, people will, would cut you a break if you lost yeah. an arm, right? But if you have this invisible illness, they don't see a reason for why you should get to slack off. They don't see a reason why maybe you need to work less because you need to manage your stress because that literally triggers your autoimmune disease. Like, when it's invisible, nobody – gives it enough respect I guess you know yeah and I'm I'm very diligent about like my sleep and my eating habits and so everyone at work knows that like if everyone else is going out at 10 o'clock like I'm just not gonna go and I don't really know I think they believe me I don't really care honestly because at some point you have to stop caring like I know when college people didn't get it or believe me like why I couldn't go out but at some point you just have to take care of you. And I realized that going to sleep and eating the foods I like to eat make me happy and make me feel good. So like, that's what matters. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's kind of backtrack and pick up where we left off. Like you got diagnosed with celiac and then what happened? Oh my gosh, we are backtracking. Okay. So I got diagnosed with celiac and this was in the one month that I was home between my internship in Ghana and trying to go to Rome to study abroad for the semester. Mm. And it was very clear when I was diagnosed with celiac that I was in no place to go abroad. Mm -hmm. Um, But I really wanted to go. So as kind of like a last ditch effort, I saw this doctor um, that my cousin recommended who was like a holistic health practitioner, basically. She's an endocrinologist, um, but she's been trained in um, just kind of like more holistic medicine. And she, we had this like two hour appointment where she asked me about all my health history and everything I had going on. And she was basically just like, you have to start this diet, um, which is called the gaps diet. And it's basically just a version of paleo for anyone who doesn't know. Um, she was basically like, you have to start the gaps diet right now. Like when you leave here or I cannot in good faith tell you go to Rome. She actually told my mom, she was like, how are you letting your daughter do this? And my mom was like, I will let my daughter choose what she's going to do. Wow. Like they like got a little, a little saucy at each other. Um, <laughs> but we, we walked out of that meeting and it was just like, all right, that was it. I never had like a last normal meal or anything. Like I just walked out of that meeting and we went to Whole Foods, got me some paleo foods and that was it. I never looked back. So I went and studied abroad in Rome and traveled to 23 cities in nine different countries over the course of the semester, and I was paleo the whole time. I did it in Rome. No gelato, no pizza, no pasta, um, and I was fine. I made it, and I was just so grateful that I was able to, like, do all of that because I knew that a few months before I wouldn't have been able to. Yeah. 
Wait, were um, you doing gaps in Rome or just paleo? I was doing gaps. I was doing Can gaps. you explain to people the difference between like w- what is gaps like? Yeah, so gaps is a is a very low starch version of paleo, so you can't have any starchy vegetables at all. Um, but it's it's also very emphasis on bone broth and like gut healing foods. Mm-hmm. So I like every single week, I could pretty much tell you what all my meals were. Which was that for breakfast, I would make like a huge omelet because um, you can have eggs on gas and drink a cup of bone broth. And then for lunch, I would have like chicken and vegetables and a cup of bone broth. And then for dinner, I would have soup with chicken and vegetables. Where were you getting and, bone like, broth? Um, I would go to a, like a grocery store and buy um, rotisserie chickens and I'd get like two or three in a week and I would use it and I'd make bone broth. My poor roommates thought I was psycho. Uh, I was living with nine, nine girls in one tiny Roman apartment. Can you imagine what they thought of me? I respect you so much. Like so much. I can't. I was the crazy, I was the crazy girl. Um, but honestly, like I said, like it just made it so worth it because I was able to like travel and live life, which I couldn't have done before. Um, so that was amazing. When I came back from Rome, I started my, so I was in my second semester of my junior year. And that was like, hands down the darkest period of my life, actually. Um, even though I had started getting so much better, um, I got so worried that anything I ate was going to make me sick. And I thought that like, the more careful I was about my food, the healthier I would be if that makes sense so I was just convinced that like everything was gonna make me sick and so I ended up just like way under eating and becoming so strict like I wouldn't go out to eat with my friends because I wanted to cook myself I was like eating alone all my meals alone and just like doing things alone and I was getting so strict about my sleep and like just trying to get healthy but I just made myself miserable so I ended my junior year like so miserable so alone were you still on gaps I was still on gaps. Wow. Um, And so I did that for almost a year. And then it was at the end of my junior year that I, when I was in this really dark place, that I found Meg in a doll. uh, How did you find her? I found her on Instagram. Um, I honestly don't really remember. I think I just like heard someone tagged her in a post or something. And I was just immediately drawn to her because she was the first person I had ever heard talk about using like a real food diet to gain weight Mm -hmm. because I was having so many people tell me like if you want to gain weight you need to stop you need to start eating like normal food again you know and I was just like no you don't understand that that's not going to help me Mm -hmm. like that is not going to help me and so Meg was the first person that I had heard talk about like no like it's not going to help you to eat crap it's going to help you to eat like the food that will heal your body and so I reached out to her and was like I need to work with you but then of course she was the one who I, I was like I need to like I need a meal plan. I need to gain weight. And she was like, I think you need to dig a little deeper. <laughs> and so that started like a huge life transformation so for me. What did she teach you? Oh my gosh. She taught me so much. Um, so the first thing she taught me, the, like the, where we started was like, I had to stop being so scared of foods. Like it was, it's great to be empowered with knowing like what foods 
you don't respond well to. Mm -hmm. But like I was scared to eat a piece of fruit or like a sweet potato. Mm -hmm. And so I started like slowly eating like a little bit of butternut squash and like a little bit of sweet potato. And all of a sudden I was like, I don't feel sick. And like, this is great. And so I, I got a lot more freedom around food and started being okay with like trying things and just seeing how I felt, um, which was amazing. Like that alone brought me so much freedom. But then also I was just working on like, I had really lost, like I said earlier, my identity when I became fit because I tied so much of my identity to being like strong and fit and like the girl who could do it all. Mm -hmm. And so I had to think like, okay, if I can't do it all, but like, I'm also not the sick girl. Mm -hmm. Like I was identifying as the sick girl and Meg was like, that's not you. Like you're Liz, you're amazing. You're beautiful. You have all these amazing things you want to do. Like, why don't you identify with those? Mm -hmm. Um, and so that took me a really long time, but it was awesome. So what do you think was it that helped you gain the weight back? Can we clarify uh, for people, like, so do you think that you lost the weight because you were, like, basically accidentally under eating? Or was it because of the celiac? Um, I lost the weight, I think, a combination of, like, nausea mm -hmm. and, like, stomach pain contributing to under eating and the, and the celiac. Okay. Um, but when I started gaps, I was like probably a hundred pounds. Mm -hmm. And then for my, after my first like year on it, I still lost like seven to 10 more pounds. Wow. So by the time I started working with Meg, I was like low nineties and it was awful. Um, but then once I started working with her, it took me like six months to gain like 20 pounds mm -hmm. like it came back pretty quick um and it had a lot to do with gut healing so I do think that like that first year of being on gaps like even though I was under eating it was so important because it healed my gut um and it, it was so good for me to take out gluten and just like let my stomach heal um but then also working with Meg like I was just I realized I needed to be much less restrictive with my food and I was so worried about eating like the right foods that I wasn't letting myself just like eat a ton of food. Mm -hmm. So like once I started working with Meg, I, I realized sometimes I needed to have like two sweet potatoes and half a chicken and like half a jar of nut butter for dinner. And it wasn't because I was like binging. It was because I was genuinely that hungry. Like mm -hmm. my body was starving for years and I needed to feed it. And that was a really hard thing for me to wrap my mind around. But then once I did, it was awesome because you could just eat all the food. Yeah. And I would eat, like, a lot of times I would eat like a normal person, but then a lot of times I also would just, like, legitimately eat a jar of nut butter, and it was just, like, I didn't feel sick. I didn't feel bad. Like, I genuinely felt like I needed that, so it was just very freeing. And when you first started on that journey, did you feel that hunger, or did you? No. Okay, because I... Not at all. Exactly. I think it's a really important thing to talk about because people will, people who are underweight will be like, I'm not hungry. And I'm like, that's because you've taught yourself, like, to be okay with not that amount eat. of food. Yeah. I, I had no hunger signals. Mm -hmm. Like, none. I could go, I genuinely could have gone a whole day without eating and I never would have gotten hungry. Mm -hmm. But I got crazy. Mm. Like, I was like, I would have spent the whole day worrying that I wasn't eating. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and I noticed that even, even now, like, so for example, I was in the Dominican Republic recently with my family and I didn't have a ton of great food options around. 
And so sometimes like instead of eating something that was going to make me sick, I would just like skip a meal until I could get a, a meal that I wanted. But I noticed like if I would skip lunch, I would kind of like get over the hunger and then I'd be like, well, maybe I don't have to eat lunch. Maybe I didn't need to eat it. And then like your mind starts playing these games and it's like, no, like you need to feed yourself. You need to fuel yourself. And like, I'm not into the intermittent fasting thing. Like I, yeah. I wanted to bring that up because this is such a hot topic now. And I feel like you could probably relate. And it's like, I know a lot of people talk about, you know, keto and like why it's so great is like you can skip meals and not feel hungry and blah, blah, blah. And I'm of the opinion for me, I know what I need personally is I eat on a schedule. Like, yeah, I like even if I'm not hungry for lunch, I'm going to eat lunch. Like, yeah, even though Same. I am very fat adapted and I did that when I when I was in ketosis as well. Like, I just like I need to eat on a schedule. And I think that people who have any history of like, like similar Disorder. to us. Yeah. Like, yeah, they should eat on a schedule. Like, I totally agree. And and also it's a body type thing, too. Right. Like a body and mind type. So I know that Sahara Rose is on this podcast mm-hmm. and like. Shout out to Sahara Rose if you're listening. I love you. She's um, but I'm like, su- I'm super into Ayurveda ever since I listened to her podcast um, on, on here. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Vata, mind body types, like we have to eat on a schedule because we're like very flighty yeah. and um, we'll like forget to eat or like we have very sporadic hunger, which I totally noticed about myself. I'll have days where I'm not hungry at all and days where I am ravenous. Yeah. But I always like on the days when I'm not hungry, I make sure that I eat like at least my three meals a day. And on the days when I'm ravenous, I let myself eat more. Like, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not – I put on my Instagram story the other day, like, I am not one to deny my, to deny myself a snack. And I'm just not. Like, I know that it's good to, like, not be snacking, to, like, give yourself time in between meals. And I'm about that. Like, I believe that, especially when it's mindless eating or if you're not eating meals that are big enough. But, like, if I eat a big breakfast and then I'm hungry before lunch, like, you better believe I'm going to eat – a snack yeah. and that's fine I think this is another common misconception that kind of pisses me off is like a lot of times people who are really okay I am thin and I eat more than I don't know anybody who can eat more than me I don't yes. know a uh, single person we could throw down yeah you know we could <laughs> like you know and it's like I know like you definitely eat a lot of food too like and I don't know if it's because we just have really high metabolisms or if it is still just, like, we're the body type that can do – like, you know what I mean? But, like, I eat so much food and I get so pissed when people just think, like – they'll make comments, like, you're going to eat all that? Like – Oh, I hate that. Are you kidding? Because it makes me so – it makes me so, like, unnecessarily self-conscious. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? I don't need you commenting about what I'm eating right now because, like, yeah. that's just not your business. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think it had a lot to do with metabolism because like, I mean, the mind pump guys who were on this podcast recently, they were talking about how like the, like your, your metabolism will adapt to what you're eating. Mm-hmm. And so I know that for a long time, like looking back on the days when I was under eating, I'm sure I was eating like, I don't know, probably like 1200 calories a day. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I wasn't counting, but like it was not enough food. And now like I guarantee I eat over 2,000 calories a day. I'm almost positive. I don't count, but, like, I eat a lot of food. And, like, I don't gain weight. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how that works. I mean, that's just why people need to stop focusing. I mean, I've said this before. When I was in – 
recover like when I was trying to gain weight um I was still losing weight and they couldn't figure out what's going on and one time my nutritionist was okay let's put things in I just want to make sure we're getting like let's see how many calories and I was above 7,000 um no and I was still losing weight so it's just like there's so much more going on for people like people don't understand there's just always so much more going on it's not just about calories at all um yeah so but yeah I think I mean you and I both eat a lot of food and I love food so yeah so do I (laughs) I I love that so okay well how do you transition I think that a lot of people get nervous about that idea of putting on weight um and eating more more and more because then they're like Mm -hmm. well then I'm gonna get in this habit of eating a whole chicken with every meal and then and then I'm gonna be like you know what I mean that transition Mm -hmm. like I, I will I will say um that transition was hard and like some like I think it, it made me very nervous mm-hmm. because I was like, I'm, I felt like I was developing bad habits. That was my concern with Meg as I was like, I can't get in the habit of like eating this absurd amount of food because that's like, a, that's terrible for you, you know? But, um, I can honestly say that like, once I started listening to my body and like tuning in to when I was hungry and when I wasn't, it's never been a problem for me. And that doesn't mean that I sometimes don't still eat a whole chicken and a jar of nut butter like sometimes I do but I'm hungry yeah and like I just think people have gotten so out of touch with their own bodies and everyone wants to eat what someone else tells them to eat Mm -hmm. um and that's just not going to work yeah and so it's just I think once I learned to like listen to my own hunger signals it got so much easier yeah, so when did you – so was working with Meg when he switched to just, like, regular paleo? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then even while I was working with her, I did some other, like, different eliminations just to try them out. And I got some, like, food intolerance tests done. And actually, in hindsight, it's kind of funny because GAPS is great for a lot of things. But it's actually not necessarily great for people with autoimmune diseases all the time because mm-hmm. – it's very nut and egg heavy. Yeah, um, so I was going to ask you, did you ever do strict AIP? No, I never did all at once. Um, but I did, so I did, and I've done multiple egg eliminations. And every time I bring it back, I find that I can have like a couple eggs a week, but I can't have them regularly. I get headaches and um, it messes with my stomach. Um, and so I'm really glad I figured that out. Um, so now I'll have eggs like once or twice a week. Um, and with nuts, I realized, like, I was eating way too many of them before. So I was still getting, like, diarrhea and, like, bloating. And I was like, oh, well, probably because I ate, like, a ton of raw nuts. Like, that's mm-hmm. not a good idea. So that helped me cut back. But the biggest one for me has been nightshades. Um, no, like, I had no idea about nightshades mm-hmm. until I did my food don't. intolerance. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did my food intolerance testing. And this thing came up. Um and it was capsation and I thought that was like an additive and I was like, well, I've never heard of that. Like I'm in the clear. Yeah. And one of my friends at the time was like, uh, capsation is like what's in nightshade vegetables. It's like what makes things spicy. And I was like, oh. And so now I can have like a little bit of spice. But like if there's like heavy nightshades, I will for sure be like very inflamed and have stomach issues and I won't sleep. Okay. 
Okay. So that's good. So you don't do you don't do peppers or tomatoes or eggplant? Not often. I'll do them like in a pinch. So if I'm out to eat and that's my only option, I try to be I try to be as go with the flow as possible. So if I don't think it's gonna like seriously mess me up, I'll do it um for like one meal, but I don't cook with tomatoes yeah. at home. Yeah. Wait, um, so um what how are you with the, the the nightshade spices? Do you avoid those as well? Like can you No, have I'm I'm, I'm fine with the spices, yeah. Okay. Unless it's like insane amounts. Um mm-hmm. and I'm even fine with like I love curry. So I can make curry. I just have to make it like way not spicy. Yeah. So like I'm the same. Where where other people would use like a jar of curry paste, I'll use like one quarter of it. Yeah. Just to get the flavor. Yeah. That makes sense. Interesting. So what about the third invisible illness we haven't even covered? We haven't even covered. So um, about a year and a half after I was diagnosed with celiac and I had gained back all this weight after working with Meg and I still wasn't getting my period, uh, my doctor diagnosed me with PCOS. And it was honestly, it was so frustrating to me because the diagnosis was like, yeah, you have PCOS. Um, you're already doing everything you can do. Bye. Good luck. Yeah. Bye. And I, it's to this day still, it drives me crazy because you hear everyone talk about PCOS and I think it's great how much awareness is being brought to it. But a lot of people talk about like insulin resistance and getting that in control and like changing your diet and your exercise and all that. But like I do all of that. Mm-hmm. And so it's been very frustrating for me to hear about these like treatments for PCOS and it's like... I do that. I already eat so clean. I don't have blood sugar regulation problems. I eat plenty of healthy fats. I work out. I take care of myself. I sleep. And I still haven't had a period in over four years. Wow. Um, and so I don't really know. Like, I just don't really know what to do, mm-hmm. to be honest. Honesty here. Um, yeah. That's well, been really frustrating. And what's hard is it's like no one knows what to do. Right. Like everybody right. you go to is like, well, I'm sure I'm sure I bet they all just tell you you need to gain more weight. Yes, I get that a lot. Um, what's actually kind of nice, though, is I have um, I have a doctor, who, my doctor who started me on the GAPS diet. I still see her. She's awesome. She's an endocrinologist mm-hmm. and she works with a lot of overweight people to lose weight. So she's actually one of the few people who like isn't necessarily all about me gaining weight. Like when I tell her what I eat, she's like, wow, you're eating like a lot of food. I'm surprised you're still so skinny. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, okay. But so she's, it's actually been nice because I've said to her, like, do I need to eat more food? Like, do I need to eat like more fats or like, should I be eating fewer carbs or whatever? And she's like, you're eating perfect. Like mm-hmm. it's not always all about the food, which is really nice sometimes to have someone say that. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, this kind of ties back into what I was talking about what we were talking about before with doctors not taking you seriously I had the same experience like with my gut issues the only the person I felt like I made so much progress with was somebody who had no idea like I I saw her after I'd gained back my weight and she had no idea basically that I how skinny I had been and like didn't see me as like the skinny girl who gained weight like she was and she's not in the eating disorder space at all and like mm-hmm. she would t- and I would always ask her I'm like am I eating enough food because I had gotten so used to everybody telling me eat more and more and more and she was like you're eating way more than enough food she's like why are yeah. you so paranoid about your food she's like you eat more than anyone like she's like you don't need to add you don't need any more like weight like you're at a normal weight and I was like 
okay, I had gotten so used to everybody putting that bias against me. Yeah. But, yeah, so I feel you on the PCOS. It's tough. I wish they could – I wish there was more, like, out there about I know. You know? I think – and so many people talk about how PCOS is is really just kind of this blanket term for probably a lot of different um, – Part of me feels like disorders. it's like, part of me feels like it's almost like IBS. I'm just like yes. it doesn't mean anything at yes. this point. I think so too, especially because they the most at least in from the research I've done the most common type like body type for PCOS is like a kind of overweight middle-aged woman with insulin resistance and like the like the male hair growth and all these things. Like that's what everyone talks about. That's not me at all. Um, and so that part of it is like, okay, so we need to be much more clear about what's actually involved in PCOS and is it an insulin resistance thing? Is it a male hormones thing? Is it a cysts thing? Um, that all is just very confusing to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, to me, I'm just like, okay, you tell someone you have PC, to me, PCOS is like a symptom. Yeah. it's, That's so true. It's That's not so true. the same way I get it doesn't explain anything. Yeah, I'm like, okay, so what's what's the deeper issue? Like, I'm like, yeah. okay, so what? Like, we can't do it. It's like this when people tell me, oh, well, I got diagnosed with IBS. I want to scream. I'm like, That's not a diagnosis. That doesn't mean it's just a symptom. Like, yeah. okay, everybody has IBS. Well, like, I don't care. Like, what's the real thing going on underneath? Right. There's a there's a root to that. That's yeah. You're so right. Which is hard, You're so right. but I think that, and I think now in the medical community, like the IBS thing, everybody knows that now that IBS isn't a diagnosis. Um, mm-hmm. It's just like a bullshit thing. But I think PCOS is something that that's like newer. Like, yeah, like it's still people are still. It's like a condition, like you know, and people aren't looking at it as a side effect of something else. I yeah, think. no, that's such a good point, actually. I kind of love that you said that. That's that's giving me a whole new perspective. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's just something, like, always deeper going on. But, damn, girl. You inspire me. Every time we talk, I don't even no. know. <laughs> like, do you ever look – do you ever, like <laughs> – Look at me in my pajamas right now. <laughs> do you ever, like, think back and you're just like, how the hell did I make it through? Like, it's crazy. Yes, I do. Um, especially when I think back to some of my lowest lows and I'm just like, I really, I persisted. Yeah. Um, I had some grit. So I'm, so just to wrap up, I'd love to hear just more about like, well, actually before I do this, when did you start your Instagram, your, your blog, your Instagram? Okay. Um, so I started my Instagram, um, a little over two years ago now, which is really weird. Um, it was during my senior year and I didn't tell anyone about it. So I started it and it was like super top secret. Um, and it was just because I was following all these people on Instagram and like making all this food and I just thought it was fun and I wanted a way to like interact with people, but I thought all my friends would think it was really stupid, which they kind of did, but then they loved it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But so for literally probably like eight months, um, my cousin was the only person who knew. And like I would tell different people, like my sister found out, but like no one, it was not a thing. And then right after I graduated college, like a few days later, one of my friends randomly started following me 
And I was like, oh, shit. Like, the cat is out of yeah. the bag. <laughs> and I had to text, like, this huge group text of my friends and be like, hey, guys, so um, I have this paleo Instagram account. <laughs> and everyone thought it was hilarious. And then my one friend who followed me was like, oh, my gosh, I didn't think I was outing you. Like, I thought that everyone else knew and I didn't and that, like, I was on the outside. And yeah. I was like, nope, you were but it was hilarious and then but they were all super supportive and I think it was actually better that I told them about it once I already had like a thousand followers and like some content so it wasn't just like hey everybody come follow me on my paleo Instagram like you know um but now they love it and like every time we're out to eat everyone's like take a picture and um I'm so it started yeah oh sorry go ahead I'm I'm curious do you I think this is a very interesting question people are really weird about the labels do you ever like have a problem calling yourself paleo that's so funny so actually just this morning I was talking to my mom about this because I said something about being paleo ish and Mm -hmm. she's like you're paleo Mm -hmm. and I was like I'm not really though mom like I eat some non-paleo foods and she was like what and I was like like peanut butter (laughs) And, and that was the only one I could come up with <laughs> off the top of my head. Lame. She was like, okay. Yeah. But here's here's my problem with the labels. So, like, okay, so my Instagram handle is that paleo girl for mm-hmm. people who don't know. And I thought it was, like, cute and fun, and I still do. It's fine. My only problem with it is that I think people get so focused on the label that they don't think about like what makes them feel good and what doesn't, or like what is the point of eating these certain foods. Mm-hmm. So when people are like, is it paleo? My question is, are you asking that because like this is helping you gain like knowledge is power? Yeah. So like this is helping you understand which foods are healthier and which foods aren't? Mm-hmm. Or are you just trying to put a label on like this diet that you've decided you're going to do for no damn good reason? Um, and that's where I think the real distinction lies. And I think a lot of girls our age tend to be in that second category where it's like, I'm just going to do paleo because it's like, it's a new thing. And I'm going to be paleo mm-hmm. and I won't like, I'll be the paleo police. And like, God forbid I have like a white potato, which is a gray area paleo food. You know, like I'm yeah. not into that, but I, but I do understand for the majority of the rest of the world that it helps to have some structure around mm-hmm. like, okay, so you're talking about how these foods are good for us and these foods aren't and like these foods are have you know low in inflammation and are nutrient dense and whatever like can you help me understand which foods fit into that category and if that question is more easily encompassed in is that paleo then that's fine with me Mm -hmm. but I think it can really swing either way gotcha would okay if you didn't have autoimmune diseases and if you didn't have symptoms would you still eat paleo um, that is a great question. I think my AD 20 would look a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am so passionate now knowing what I know about just like how food impacts our body that I could never go back. Yeah. So if someone told me, if I found out tomorrow that like I could eat whatever the hell I wanted and I wouldn't get sick or like I wouldn't feel it, mm-hmm. but, but I would still like know what it was doing to my body. I couldn't unlearn everything I've learned. Exactly. But But I think that I would be more inclined to, like, you know, have a dessert at, like, a big event or, like, just be a little bit more free. So, like, when I'm traveling, like, if I was, like, 
So, for example, when I went to the Dominican Republic, I had a little bit of corn because this person who was living there was, like, making this very traditional dish. And I felt awful. So that was, like, a big bummer. I was like, oh, okay. But, like, I would love to be able to do things like that yeah. and not feel the consequences. Unfortunately, I can't. Um, but I would love to be able to do that. So I'd like to have more freedom if I wasn't suffering the consequences. But I suffer the consequences, so I'm very strict. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, no. I. That makes total sense to me. Um, what about... Just, like, to wrap up quickly, like, what are the things that you feel like you value the most to take care of your health right now? Oh, such a good question. Um, So I think that the importance of sleep and, like, social Mm -hmm. support are completely underrated. Um, So sleep is, like, I am religious about my sleep. I need my eight hours. Um we need that time to heal. We need to rest. We don't rest enough as a society. So like that is super important. But I also think like having social support and connecting with people and like having friends and family around is of unparalleled importance. Mm -hmm. And I notice it a lot when I travel, like when I'm alone in hotel rooms and like on my own on these trips, I get really stressed and I will feel it negatively impact my health. And I'm like, wow, I should just call my mom. Like, or you know, just like connect. Yeah, I should, I should call Christina. Um, I do sometimes. Um, but I think that's hugely, hugely underrated. Um, I would also say the products we put on our skin, like our skin is our largest organ. And that to me is such an easy switch. Like if you don't want to switch your diet, if you don't want to switch your exercise, like at least buy different makeup, it's not hard. And like, that's so easy. Um, I yeah. love diffusing essential oils right now that I think like super helps my just, like stress and my mood. I love that. And then collagen peptides. That's like my collagen yeah. peptides is Absolutely. the king. That reigns king. Major. Look at these nails. Yes. Collagen peptides. They grow like crazy in the hair. The hair. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. it. Um, All about it. Okay. Last question. What would you tell anyone who was in the position you were in a few years ago where you're sick and no one's helping you, um, maybe you're really underweight, you know, that place when you're really scared, like what would you want to tell yourself back then? Yeah. So I have a super cheesy yogi tea quote that I basically live by. (laughs) Um, Know yourself, trust yourself, love yourself, be yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is what I would have told myself. Um, Because I think that it's – so first of all, like the knowing yourself and trusting yourself, like you have to follow your gut. When when like doctor after doctor told me I was not sick and I knew that I was and then even after I was finally diagnosed and people would tell me like you just need to eat real – like eat some pancakes and gain weight. Like I knew that that wasn't going to make me healthy and I had to like stick to my guns and that's really hard. Um, but when you know something is right for you, you need to do it, um, and stick to it. Um, and so trust yourself that plays into it too. Um, love yourself. I just think we're way too hard on ourselves. And like when I was really sick, I was like blaming myself for being sick, which is so sad in hindsight. Like just give yourself a break. Um, take a bath, like go to sleep early, watch some movies. Don't do your homework one night. 
lay in bed all day, like all these things, they all help and just like give yourself the freedom. Um, and then also in terms of the be yourself side of things, I think I was very nervous to like embrace this kind of like real food lifestyle. That was why I had my like secret Instagram account. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that I have, it's, it's been so great because like, it's just like another little nerdy part of who I am. Like I love healthy food and like, I love cooking and yeah. I make these like really stupid Instagram stories that like, I don't know why, but it's just fun. <laughs> it's just like being myself, you yeah. know? And like, I'm so much happier because of that. Yeah. And we get to, that's how we meet each other. That is. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Christina and I met through, do you remember how we met exactly through no, Instagram? I don't. I was just trying to think of that. i I, I found too. you, right? I think I found you. I think you did. And then I started I following you, you and you're like one of the only – this is my thing about Instagram. There aren't that many people who I follow. There's maybe like three where I would actually eat the same food as them. And I got yeah. so excited <laughs> when I found your account because I was like, wait, her meals look like like I would actually make this. Like I would actually eat this. Like, Yeah, like we're not making like – Every meal is like, I mean, I love Siete Foods tortillas, but like, I am not buying that shit. Those are like eight bucks. Yeah. So I buy them like, like for a special occasion, you know? Yeah. But I'm not eating like breakfast tacos with like Siete tortillas and like, you know, shaved yeah. Brussels sprouts and like all the superfoods every day. Our meals are very paleo and not like glamorous. Like they're just like yeah. meat, veggies, you know, like sauce maybe like you know like the and I was yeah because I look at all these other people I'm like okay this is pretty food but I would never actually eat or make this but like your food I was like wait this girl eats just like me I love following her because now I can actually get real inspo well and I remember that we started at one point DMing about like the being too skinny thing Mm -hmm. um and then I remember I was coming to LA yeah. And I was like, hey, this, you're going to think this is super weird, but, like, do you want to meet up? And I don't know why you said yes in hindsight. I was so excited. I was, like, shocked that you wanted <laughs> to meet up with me. I was, like, I felt like I was meeting a celebrity. No, I was meeting a celebrity. <laughs> now, like, look, you found me, and I am over here, like, with my nothing Instagram account, and you have, like, a full business going. Oh you have two podcasts. and uh, But, I'm yeah, a- so we met. <laughs> we met. This was, for anyone who doesn't know, we had, like, the best night. We went to Bulletproof Cafe, had dinner. We were still really hungry, so we Typical. went to Erewhon Market, had second dinner, and then we went to Kippy's and had ice cream, and it was, like, the best night ever. It was the best night. I did not want it to end. I was, like, I know. Uh, and it now so great. we have to do it again soon because I miss you being – In March, hopefully. Yes, definitely, because I missed you in October, which I'm so mad about, but there will That's be another time. But who are some of your other pe- favorite people to follow? Is there anyone that you like to follow? Yes. Um, so I love Meg, obviously Meg, the yeah. RHN. Um, she's my favorite. Um, I love mm-hmm. Rachel's good eats. Yeah. Um, I love, I, love, I, I, I would eat her food. I would eat her food too. Uh, let me see who else do I love. Paleo G last one. I love her. Yeah. I, I love, love her Julie too. Yeah. I love Julie. She has great stuff. Okay. Well, awesome. This is so great. Sorry, I kept this you for so, so long. No, I could keep talking. Everyone else is probably like, well, this has been the biggest waste of 90 minutes of my life. No. But I love this. <laughs> I love this. People are going to love it. And I cannot wait for them to hear. So can you tell people where they can find you and follow you? 
Yes. Um, so I am on Instagram at that paleo girl with um, dots in between the words. So that dot paleo dot girl. Um, I'm, I also have a blog at that paleo girl.com. Um, and you can contact me through there. I don't like, this is not a business for me. I don't have like services to offer, but if you want to, if you want, if you want to hang out and eat food together, I'm all about it. If you're ever um, in Indiana, if you're ever in Indiana, or if you want, if you want to welcome me in one of the other random cities that I'm in, yes. uh, totally hang out. Um, and yeah, I just would love, I mean, if anything I've said resonates with you, I would love to talk with you. Um, uh, yeah, I love hearing from people and connecting, and that's the whole reason I started my blog in the first place. So I'd love to hear from you. I love it. And everybody make her um, smoothie recipe because it's crack on her oh, blog. It's the I best smoothie recipe I think I've ever had or I've ever tried. I do. Uh, so. And then they should also go make every dessert from your ebook. Oh, thank you. Because I'm obsessed. Thank you. I have. I'm making the tahini fudge when we get off this. I call. somebody while while we were doing this, I saw someone texting me and she goes, "I just made your tahini fudge," and I was like, "Yes, it's." Crack. I need it. I eat it every. I need day. it right now. Yeah, yeah. Make it. Awesome. It's gonna be really bad. Well, thank you so much for joining me. This was amazing, and like thank I really appreciate me. you taking an hour, two hours out of your day to talk to me. No. This was the best, and I'm so glad that I was on. Yes. I love you. Love you, too. Bye. Bye. Okay. How amazing is she? That episode moves me, and I hope it moved you, too. Maybe it's just because, obviously, I relate to so much of it. Like, it's crazy to me how similar her story was to mine, but like I said, just so much more and that's why I admire and respect her so much and I just adore Liz and if you want to reach out to her and or just follow her you definitely should you can find her at that paleo girl that paleogirl.com all of her info will be in the show notes as usual and I definitely recommend you check out some of her blog posts because they are amazing And like I said, her smoothie bowl recipe, that is killer. So check that out. If you haven't already, please join our Facebook group, Actually Adultish Podcast Nation. If you enjoyed this, if you enjoy the show, if you want to support me, I would really, really love it if you leave a rating and a review on iTunes and or Stitcher if you haven't already. It really helps to get the word out about the podcast and also just tell people about it. Tell your friends about it. Tell your family about it. Tell your Uber driver about it. Tell your hairstylist about it. Anybody else who does things for you, just tell them about it. And that would mean a lot to me. We can continue to grow this community and it'll be fabulous. So again, send in any questions, any suggestions for guests, for topics to actuallyadultish.com or email me at actuallyadultish at gmail.com. And next week I'm going to do a solo episode. So I'm going to answer Q and A's. I'm going to talk about life because I know this one was long, but I got to kind of update you guys because it's 2018, you know? So happy new year. Hope your 2017 was amazing and 2018 is going to be even better. And I will talk to you again next week. Bye.